1: Welcome to On The Way. This is Beth White. I am your host this morning or or co-host with Jen Delvaux. Hi, Jen.
2: Hi, good morning.
1: Good morning. So we are going to take on two sort of different topics today. Mm -hmm. Um, The first half of the show, we're going to talk about uh, the power of an invitation and just the overall sense of inviting as um, part of the evangelization process. And the second half of the show, we're going to talk to Sister Barbara Reed from Catholic Theological Union about um, St. Mary Magdala, St. Mary Magdalene, whichever way you want to say it. So good morning, Jen. Good morning. And So let's start, Jen, as uh, our listeners know, anyone who's new to listening, um, we're both from the Office for Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Chicago, and our work is to help um, parishes out there build a culture of evangelization, and a few months ago, Jen was on talking about a document that we have about on a culture of evangelization, and we have mm-hmm. Uh, each month, we're kind of unpacking different pieces. And last month, it was about listening. Uh, the first month was about hospitality. And so today, we're going to talk about invitation. So um, I just want to talk to you a little bit, Jen, about what why do we think inviting is such an important part of evangelization?
2: I think it's probably one of the hardest parts for us as Catholics. Mm, yes. But it's also one of those things that you can point to in your own story of being that hinge post, that point when something turned. And we often may hesitate to jump into something or to feel like that's a place or a space that we really would be welcomed. And so as much as hospitality is sort of the passive, we're ready to receive whoever walks in the door, invitation is actually accompanying people from where they're at and walking with them into the door of the event, the community, or our parish.
1: Yeah, and so I there's two aspects of inviting. So we think about inviting people from the outside in, mm-hmm. um, and we also ask people to consider inviting people inside your parish right. to a deeper engagement into something in the life of the community there, like personal invitation. Mm-hmm. We use bulletin announcements and yes. pulpit announcements and email. And so what does our office say about invitation? it's really
2: rooted in that one-to-one personal relationship that it isn't the marketing side though that is absolutely crucial and creativity there can be so valuable but it's saying I know you and I think this would be something that would be of interest or relevant or meaningful to you do you want to come do you want to come with me I always talk about with parishes the power of you know do you want to come with me is something that we haven't lost whether it's in you know the playground in fifth grade or whether it's an adult wanting to try a new event so Always thinking about who that person is, where they're at, and what might be that next step for them.
1: And so, when you when you think about in a parish, when you're inviting people into something deeper, um, because we'll talk a little bit about like inviting people in, but as you're thinking about inviting them in deeper, why why is that important aspect today in our parishes?
2: I think a lot of people are creatures of habits, number one. And so, you know, you kind of got your little section of the pew. You've got your ministry that you're going to be involved in and you have been involved in for the last 15 years. Sometimes it's a matter of not knowing what else is out there. Mm. Or, you know, as somebody who is personally a little shy and introverted, my likelihood of just jumping into an event where I'm not going to know anyone is really intimidating to me. And so if someone were to say, you know, hey, Jen, this sounds like something, you know, that might be interesting. Do you want to come with me? That that would be instantly so much easier for me to approach. But also from the perspective of sort of that development as a disciple, there's always this invitation that should be offered to help somebody grow a little bit deeper. So if it's something where maybe they've got a little bit of an experience of, say, like the Saturday morning prayer group, it might be that in the discussions that they have before or after, somebody mentions, oh, you know, I've never really learned anything about Scripture. And somebody in that group can mention, hey, would you want to come with me to the Thursday night Bible study? And so it's always paying attention to how can we help people grow deeper in relationship to God, learn and grow more about God and that relationship with God.
1: So I have two stories one is um there was it in i've been in my parish gosh i don't know 12 years or so i moved to chicago about 12 years or so 14 years i don't remember at this point um and every other year there's an advent gathering for the women in the church mm-hmm. and i had never been and i they always had it in the bulletin they always whatever but right before the pandemic um the advent that year um i've girlfriend of mine said hey would you like to go with me um Mm -hmm. because they you what you do is you build out a table of people and you decorate it and all that and I was very excited to be invited Mm -hmm. I was like oh all right and I went and I knew like there's over 200 women in the room which there would not be today but anyway there were (laughs) over 200 women in the room and I knew like half of them and it struck Mm -hmm. me that I never self-identified to go or like put together a group of people. But right. when I was invited, I didn't hesitate. Mm-hmm. And then the other was I was giving a presentation of liturgical ministers. And it was a reflection day at a parish. And I and I was talking about the power of invitation. And I said, how many of you have been invited um, into this role? Put your hand up. Every single person put their hand yeah. up, and then they start saying, you invited me, she invited me, he invited me, and it was, they said, I never would have thought about being a, uh, giving out communion, being a Eucharistic minister, or I never would have thought mm-hmm. that I had the gift to be a lector, and that really taught me that it really does come down to people not even seeing in themselves right. what we see in them, and that invitation is, is powerful. It is.
2: You know, it's really... Something you know, and in some of the ministries that we're even doing within our office, and getting to do some of the things we're doing this summer with one-on-one, you know, naming something that you see in someone and saying, "I see that you have this gift, that you have this talent." Have you thought about and filling in that blank? And it it's amazing the impact that makes on someone, you know, because it does very much make them feel seen and known, and that's part of what we always talk Mm -hmm. about with belonging is that it's and that deeper relationship with the community. And I know in my own story that's crucial too because it was somebody saying, you know, hey have you thought about volunteering and helping us you know first it was with tech something that you know in our office I've even gotten uh involved in with the pandemic and quickly learning zoom but that it was just supporting the technology for the large undergraduate gathering at the campus ministry and every step of the way there was this one woman who kept inviting me first to help with that because I could do that behind the scenes and nobody would see me and my you know very shy you know freshman year self but then she invited me to the Christmas party that she was having at her mm. house. And then while there she literally cornered me Uh, In her kitchen, and said, Hey, I'm leading a Bible study in the dorm. I'll pick you up at your dorm and drive you to that one, and you can come with me and you can see what you think about it. So I had no excuse. You know, I didn't have to walk across campus at night by myself or anything. She would pick me up and drive there. And that was the slow path then that led me away from being a lawyer and into ministry. And I can point to, you know, those two invitations as really being, I never would have done those things on my own and, Mm -hmm. and taken that initiative if she hadn't done that. And I think she knew that. And, you know, we're still in touch to this day. Um, And it's wonderful to be able to say that to her, the impact that she's had and to see the impact that she's had on other young women.
1: Do you know what I love about that story is that I love that she invited you to do something Mm -hmm. to get involved behind the scenes. So it wasn't it was something that could use your skill sets. Then she invited you over to her house to get to know her better, like mm-hmm. the relationship part before she ever invited you to a Bible study.
2: Yes. Exactly. That's, and it was really great, too, because then she could also say at that Christmas party, here are two or three other young women that are part of that Bible study. So I already would know some of the faces in the room
1: when I started that just after the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times in our office, we talk about what we want for someone versus mm-hmm. from someone. Exactly. Right. So sometimes the invitation to volunteer for something is. Um, Could be fine. But Mm -hmm. sometimes that can come across as you're just trying to get a warm body to fill a space. So what's the difference for an invitation that is what you want for someone instead of from someone? I think it is very much paying attention
2: to, you know, that internal motivation as you're asking the question first and foremost. But then is it something where, you know, she had seen me offering my help to somebody with their computer and, you know, with their technology when we were hanging out in the gathering space prior to... So she noticed you. She did. And so she saw that this was something that I had some level of knowledge with. And then, you know, it was a pretty basic setup way back in the day of, you know, 1999. Oh, my. (laughs) But... So, you know, definitely like a not the, I know, then. right? So definitely not the high tech setup that we we use for so many meetings now. But it was something that I could easily do and it was very much needed. And but much they didn't more terrifying
1: back then, I must say.
2: Yes. You kinda <laughs> held your breath and prayed that the light bulb didn't go out. But you know, it was something where you know it was blatantly needed because the person who is leading the music was trying to do this simultaneously. And that person was also a friend and mm. she knew that so there was yeah. already also a relationship right. with the people that I'd be
1: working with. With. Right. So when we start shifting into talking about um, inviting people, um, so that was about you then wanting her wanting something for you, mm-hmm. seeing in you something and she's like, oh, she has this gift and we could tap into that gift. Right. And like I want not. It, it, so I want to be careful not to say that there was a premeditation that I know what I want for her, but there was a invitation to join the Bible study because mm-hmm. she loved God and wanted you to have that.
2: And I think she saw, too, she's a card-carrying member of the Extreme Extrovert Club. Ah. And I think she had definitely accurately read me as the most shyest of the introverts. And so she knew I wouldn't take those steps by myself, but that she could – have that comfort zone of this is something you can do with your friends. This is something that I'll help facilitate and make easy for you. Because I think she saw I was showing up every week to that large group gathering. I was lurking on the edge, but I was showing up. And I think she saw that there was a hunger and a question, but that I was intimidated or too scared. You know, Going from a smaller high school to University of Wisconsin was a bit of a leap in size. So it was, I think she understood enough about me to see that this was a way to make it easier for me to seek out that which I wanted and to accompany me along the way.
1: So when we do presentations um, for our listeners we often say we want you to think about people in your life who've invited you to things or invited you into things mm-hmm. or invited you over to their home for dinner or invited you to join them at something or, or um, and just imagine what that felt like um, but there's a big risk in inviting mm-hmm. Because the big risk is that invitation requires vulnerability. Yes. And it risks someone saying no. Mm-hmm.
2: So how do you deal with that? You accept it. And I think the the fact of somebody saying no is also giving them the space To say that and to recognize there's a lot of reasons why somebody can say no. It could be that they genuinely aren't interested. It might be a no, not right now, or no, you've caught me off guard, and I need another week to kind of mull this over before that idea can kind of percolate and I can go, oh, okay, maybe it makes sense. So I think it's, and some people are much more blunt, you know, they're, they're. Perspective is just that they will say yes or no, and there's others who do need that time to sort of process. So, we let people know that they're welcome and that this is a space that they can be truly safe and invited into, and they are fundamentally welcomed through that invitation. And that, especially if it is something we return to, you know, not in a, a pushy manner or anything like that, but it is that. No, it doesn't have to be the final no. It could be a moment of saying, you know, is there something going on? Is there something I can help you with? You know, or getting to know them better so that it might be learning what might be the better thing to invite them to that does meet them where they're at. Because sometimes we can think we know where a person's at, but it's more what we've perceived them
1: to be at. So there's a, we were just talking to one of our colleagues yesterday, uh, Alicia, and and uh, she mentioned um about a, a person that was invited four times and mm-hmm. said no three and yes. the fourth time came so when we come back we'll talk a little bit about why the power of an invitation is so important in a post pandemic world well, if you were in the dark- Charity's Schreiber
2: Center for Human Services is now open in Round Lake. Due to the pandemic, we are limited in the number of in-person programs that we currently can provide. However, a food pantry is open twice a week and a Wednesday night supper is held with to-go meals every week. A wide range of senior services are now offered as well. If we can assist you or someone you know, please call us at 847-546-5733. That's 847 847- Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you.
0: The word made clear is exactly what its name implies. It's an easy-to-understand explanation of the Word of God, the Gospel. Hello, I'm Father James McElhone, Director of Biblical Formation for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'd like to invite you to take our free online Bible study program, by going to the wordmadeclear.org. Our website offers an audio-based guide to the Gospels of Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Listen to my lectures and follow along with the handouts provided. There are even discussion guides. You can also explore the biblical roots of the Mass. And there are links to a wide variety of biblical sources that will benefit both teachers and students of the Sacred Scriptures. Just go to WordMadeClear.org to experience our free online Bible study program. Again, it's free at WordMadeClear.org. It's the Word of God. Enjoy. Can a dead man come back to life for he-
1: Welcome back to On The Way, the Office of Evangelization and Missionary Discipleship for the Archdiocese of Chicago. I'm Beth White, your co-host with Jen Delvaux. Hello again. Hi, I almost said your name wrong. Um, <laughs> Everybody although, does. Don't worry. Um, so when we were talking, um, I we were just, uh, our earlier segment, we were talking about the power of an invitation, and, and especially in a post-pandemic world. And um, I ran across this, um, I don't know, about a year ago or so, maybe before the pandemic, everything seems life to be kind of constricted. And it's called The Art of Community. And it's by Charles Vogt. I'm gonna hold it up. I'm hoping, holding it up for our YouTube watchers. Um, and it is by Charles Vogel, V O G L. I said his name wrong. Um, it's the seven principles of belonging, and mm-hmm. it's all about how to create community. And one of the most powerful things he said in here is that the power of an invitation. That an invitation in and of itself, just inviting someone tells them that they belong, Mm -hmm. whether they say yes or no. Right. So when you think about that, like, oh, my gosh, you're right, Mm -hmm. because um, that in and of itself is this sense of uh, you belong at my house for dinner. I'd love to have you come to mass with me. Mm -hmm. I would love you to come to this event at the church. I would love for you to whatever. And even if I say no, I have this better feeling because you've included me. And the other thing he talks about in here is this sense of isolation and loneliness, and this is written before the pandemic, um, that one of the biggest things that can overcome that is an invitation, but also for you to invite people. That for you to invite someone says that you belong as well, that you have enough ownership for something Mm -hmm. to invite people to it. Yes. So that's a thing that we want people to get to in their parishes as well, is a sense of engagement at a level Mm -hmm. at which you say, this is my home. This is... It isn't for the priest, it isn't for the staff, it isn't for every head of ministry, but it's for me to invite people because for evangelization, it's about if we're inviting them to something in our parish community, whatever that is, if it's a, um, a soft entry point, if it's a um, something outside of the mass, which is like you know the women's club event or whatever, how are you helping that person know that they're included and invited so that you can help them grow in a relationship with God, but at their pace, like Jen told the story before. And so this book is amazing because I never thought about that Mm -hmm. piece before, about the power of an invitation tells the other that they belong. And he also said this whole book is about coming from him uh, moving to a new community and him and his wife not knowing a soul and them starting um, Friday night dinners and that the the power of them inviting Mm -hmm. made them – feel less alone like they right. they could own they could actually take ownership and he talks about how inviting a friend to the movies inviting someone to do something with you inviting someone to go to dinner so so that you're not just so isolated and alone using invitation to help you engage others is just as valuable as mm-hmm. youth wanting something for them so you're like i'm so alone pick up the phone and call someone and invite them right and i think that's challenging because there's
2: also then the question of Will that person like what you're inviting them to? Will they find it meaningful and fulfilling? Will they find it well done, whatever that, you know, event or Bible study or mass is? And so there's that challenge and vulnerability, as you mentioned. But I think, you know, when I talk about this with parishes, when...
1: But can I, but can I say something to that? Don't you think people get too caught up in that, though, and forgetting the fact that just inviting your friend to do something... Mm-hmm. Means that you want that for them? And definitely. And I think
2: I I was reading something somewhere in the, the vast quantity of things. And I remember there was a discussion about the friendships that are like we're going to go out for dinner or we're going to meet up for a cup of coffee and you have your kind of polite two-hour conversation of what's been going on and you both report out with the appropriate responses and so forth. But that then there's those friendships that you can say, hey, I have to go buy a new sofa and get groceries. Do you want to come with me? And that in that sort of messiness of your everyday errands that you're inviting them along into, that's actually much more deeply personal and mm. it's much more, uh, you know, the type of design you like and the comfort level of your sofa and the size of your living room and all that, you know, information and the financial side even comes out in that. And then... Buying groceries is not the most exciting, but again, very personal with what do you like, what don't you like, what are your guilty pleasures, and how many chocolate bars are you buying? You know that that can be so much more vulnerable. And so I think there's that element too when we're inviting people to the messiness of the everyday of parish life. You know that, you know my my parents don't live too far away, and they invited me to go to the first mass of a new priest that I knew and uh, was from their parish and then my mom invited me to help out. And so but it was, you know, that messiness of all the behind the scene things and, you know, that's not my community. I don't know where things are, but it was wonderful because in that messiness, so much I got to know so many people much better than mm-hmm. in a highly polished environment. And so I think by being open and saying, yeah, this may not be perfect, but you know, let me introduce you to these other people. Let me dig into this moment with you. And that can be much more meaningful than if it is that perfectly polished, nice, polished two-hour coffee or meal kind of friendship.
1: One of the stressors when we talk about inviting something somebody into something that's evangelizing, like Alpha or Sycamore, or something like that, those places where the charisma is shared mm-hmm. that people get a little anxious about or inviting people to mass or anything like that. And all the studies are showing that people feel like they don't want to put that on someone. They, Mm -hmm. they, um, you know, you be you, I be me. Um, and that I don't want to push my religion on you, but that isn't the point. The point is the invitation is saying, I really, um, I believe in this, and I want this for you. Right, and so, and and you belong, and come if you want, and mm-hmm. it's okay if you don't. But that that constant invitation is a key element of evangelization, and it is. and we're pretty clear that it needs to be either face to face or by phone. Yes,
2: and I think that makes people so deeply uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and yet when you think about it, even in You know, I I was just thinking about this because I got an invitation to, you know, yet another shower, you know, as everybody's sort of starting to roll out, um, you know, for both weddings and baby showers and everything. And, you know, it came via email, you know, like everything else, you know, the link for here's the registry and a link to RSVP, but that it means so much more when somebody says, you know, oh, hey, by the way, this is going to happen. I'd love to have you be there my sister's going to send you the email. Yeah, exactly. And so that right away was like, oh, they really want me there. I'm not just, you know, at the bottom of the list of people to round out the numbers or something. And so that is so much more personal. And it does instantly, even though this is a very dear friend of mine, made me really feel like they wanted me present for this. And so I think... When we go into our own story of just our normal everyday life outside of church life, we can see where that's so important to name that. And we can follow up with that email with the details and the description of how to get into the space and so forth. But, you know, that it's very easy to ignore or forget about a text message. It's easy to lose that email in our overflowing inboxes, but that phone call can be so different and also a moment to just touch base to find out how somebody is doing and as we've learned during the pandemic those phone calls are so valuable and
1: can have such an impact on people so one of the things that just a um something to know is that when we say call someone lots of times people won't pick up their cell phones because of a unknown caller Mm -hmm. if they don't know if you don't if they don't know who you are but what's important is that we teach our evangelization leads to say hi this is beth and i'm calling from the parish or i'm you know i'm fellow parishioner or whatever and i was wondering if i could talk to you about something an opportunity um would you mind giving me a call back and it works. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, and they call you back. And then you have mm-hmm. this like real conversation versus leaving a voicemail with all the details yes. in it. Um, <laughs> and really, um, if you can't get in touch, send an email saying, um, I've been mm-hmm. trying to get in touch with you and I would love to set up a time to chat with you. That's OK as well. Mm-hmm. But it is it really is using the opportunity to talk to someone to get to right. know them, because how do you know what you want for someone if you actually exactly. aren't engaging them? Exactly. Exactly.
2: And, you know, that's where then you can suddenly find out, wow, this person has, you know, is a retired interior decorator and still has a passion for that, but no outlet. Well, you know, I wonder if connecting them with some of the ministries that need help with hospitality might make sense versus what I was originally going to ask her to do. Or, you know, so that's how you can really get to know those individuals, as you say, and see where you can lift up their gifts and name those. But it's also can go on the flip side and say, you know, that might be their profession, but what is it that they're passionate about? And those
1: things only come out in conversation and relationship. And then I would just encourage our listeners that as you start thinking about, you know, getting back out there, if you're feeling anxious yourself about joining things or going to things, call a friend. Mm-hmm. ask someone, ask someone, hey, or someone you barely even know, but say, well, hey, would you want to go to this thing with me or do this thing with me? Because I don't know about you, Jen, but going to things right now it, it is a little more uncomfortable for it me is. than it has ever y- been. Oh. <laughs> I, I, yes. <laughs> and, and going with someone is always, um, it's, and that person might be feeling the exact same mm-hmm.
2: way. And I think also for probably a reminder for our parishes and organizations is also think about the scale of what you're trying to invite everybody to mm-hmm. and the location, because not everybody's going to want to go to like an indoor theology on tap or be comfortable going into the church basement exactly. with, you know, questionable exactly. airflow. And so to think creatively, if you are trying to get people back uh, onto the church campus, you know, are there outdoor spaces you can make use of? Right. Are there smaller gatherings that can be offered for people to kind of make those first steps under until exactly. they feel more comfortable, because if you, especially because there's a whole lot of extroverts in pastoral ministry, right. <laughs> and, and they can think everybody you know wants to dive right into that 200 person event, but um, might not be the first step coming right. into these early post pandemic days,
1: right? So we are going to be talking to Barbara Reed, um, who's the president of Catholic Theological Union. She's going to be with uh, coming up to talk to us a little bit about. St. Mary Magdala, and about the power of invitation that Jesus has offered all Mm -hmm. of us in as followers. So we will be back after this break to talk to Sister Barbara Reed.